you do. If you were a little girl living with your mother and your father, eventually your parents divorce and your mom remarries. Your new stepfather walks you to school every single day. But what if one day he walked you to school and he never saw you again? Everybody else saw you, your friends, even a teacher or two, but you never showed up to class. And pretty soon, you'll never be seen again. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. I made a few announcements in my previous video called The Handsome Handyman Killer. So if you wanna go ahead and get that info, go ahead and watch that video. There's more stuff like that coming out. Also, I now have general case request forms and a special connections form in the episode description, meaning you can request a case that you may wanna see me cover and I will do my best to do so depending on whether or not YouTube will allow. Podcast platforms allow more than YouTube does, so it kinda has to go by YouTube's Standards. I also have a special connections form, meaning if you have a personal connection to a victim, you can go ahead and submit a form and that way I will do my best in order to cover the case. Today we are going to be talking about the strange disappearance of seven-year-old Alexis Patterson. This case really makes me angry because I think so much more could have been done to find her, but for some reason police seem to have a personal vendetta against the people closest to Alexis, which seemed to prevent them from looking at other suspects. But with that, let's get right into the case. Alexis Patterson was born on April 4th, 1995 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Her parents' names were Ayana and Kenya. Alexis was described as being positive, very smart, well-mannered, energetic, friendly, and people just loved being around her. She was said to be very talkative and very polite. Her teacher at school said that everybody always wanted to sit next to Alexis in class. Her favorite colors were pink and purple, and she loved to roller skate. Alexis sometimes went by Lexi to her family, which as you guys know is also my name, but my real name is actually Alexis and my nickname is Lexi. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Alexis sometimes also went by Pi, probably because she was so sweet. Alexis's parents split when she was very young, which made her really close to her mother, Ayana, because after a certain point, it was just them two. Kenya pretty much went away from their lives and he was pretty absent. Eventually, Ayana met a man named Laron Borges, who was also from Wisconsin. They got married in 2000 and ended up having a child the following year, a daughter. By spring of 2002, Alexis was seven years old and she was attending Highmount Boulevard Elementary School in Milwaukee. On the morning of May 3rd, 2002, she was preparing to go to school and she was gonna bring along with her some cupcakes that her mother had gotten her the day before that she could eat along with her classmates. But Ayana checked Alexis's homework and realized that she hadn't completed it the night before. So as her punishment, Alexis was not allowed to bring the cupcakes to school. And of course, she was very upset. I mean, you're seven years old and you have the opportunity to eat some sweets and your mom says you can't, it's sad. So Alexis unfortunately had to go to school that day without the cupcakes and she was very upset. At around 8 a.m., Alexis left the house with her stepfather, Laron, so he could walk her to school. They lived about a block and a half away from the school, so it was a very quick walk. And once they got to the crosswalk that led to the school, Laron stopped and watched Alexis cross the street before he turned around and went home. He saw Alexis go towards the playground and she began sitting and just talking to some people. According to some other students there, they said that Alexis was sitting at the playground by herself 
crying. Obviously because she was upset about the fact that she had to leave her cupcakes at home. But little did Leron know when he saw Alexis sitting at the playground, this would be the last time he ever saw her. As school continued on for the day, teachers realized that Alexis was not in class and they just decided to mark her absent because they just assumed that she never showed up that day. Now at this point, they had no idea that she did actually get to school, but for whatever reason, she never made it inside. Now it's pretty odd that Alexis missed school because she was a straight A student and she had perfect attendance. So the fact that her teachers didn't say anything when she didn't show up just lets you know that the teachers probably weren't really paying attention or they just didn't think Think it was that big of a deal. I was that kid in school that had perfect attendance. My mom did not play when it came to coming to school. If we didn't show up to school and my mom didn't call to report us absent, they would have been like, uh, is everything okay? Because me and my sister were always in school every day. But I guess they just didn't think it was that big of a deal. Maybe they just figured she was sick and Ayana just forgot to report her absent. Who knows? Around 2.55 p.m., Alexis was set to go home. And that's normally around the time that she would walk back home and arrive. But when she didn't, Ayana definitely thought that was odd. But the only time Alexis wouldn't come home on time was if she had something going on after school but she didn't that day. So Ayana was definitely watching the clock, wondering where Alexis was, but by 3 p.m. she knew that something was wrong. She was never a minute late, was hardly a minute early. She was always on time. So Ayana decided to walk to the school and see if she could find Alexis. And she goes to her teachers and asks them, hey, where's Alexis? She never came home. And her teacher said, Alexis didn't attend class all day. We assumed she was home. I ran into class. Miss Rulin was still in there. And I asked Miss Rulin, I looked at Miss Rulin, I said, Miss Rulin, where Alexis at? And I still remember her face. She turned around, she, she turned around, she said, Alexis didn't come to school, I ain't seen the And I said, oh my God, like I never knew that my baby hadn't made it to school that day. That's like a real problem for me. And at that moment, Ayana's heart sank. She knew that something was wrong. She decided to go to her mother, Alexis's grandmother's house in order to find Alexis. She figured maybe she walked there because she also lived very close to the school. But once Ayana got there, Alexis wasn't there and hadn't been there. And at that moment, Ayana decided to call 911 to report Alexis missing. Police arrive at their home in order to begin searching for Alexis as well as ask a few questions. Now at that point, Laurent and Ayana both assumed that Alexis ran away because she was so upset about the fact that she got in trouble for not doing her homework and couldn't bring the cupcakes to school. Now I know this sounds like a crazy reason to run away, but when you're seven years old, it doesn't really take much for you to do that. I mean, who didn't say, oh, I'm running away? You know how many times I packed the bag in my day after me and my mom got in an argument? Who didn't plan on running away at that age over small things. Now, although this was out of character for Alexis, but Ayana felt like this was the best bet. So police ended up searching nearby vacant homes to see if Alexis maybe ran away and stayed in one of these houses in order to get away from home, but they didn't find her anywhere. So they decided to set up a command post in front of her house in case she came back or if they noticed any type of suspicious activity. In the days following Alexis's disappearance, volunteers assisted the police in searching for her. They searched bodies of water, they used helicopters, boats, and even searched on horseback as well as on foot. But they didn't find any sign of Alexis anywhere. 11 days after Alexis's disappearance, the police decided to interview some of her classmates to see if they saw anything suspicious the day she disappeared. And according to some of them, they noticed a red truck that was parked outside the school 
every day in the days leading up to Alexis's disappearance. And after she had disappeared, they never saw this truck again. So police, of course, wanted to find this red truck, but they didn't end up finding it. Now, I don't know why they didn't put a bolo out or try to see if anybody else had seen this truck, maybe asked an adult to see if they could find out what the make and the model and maybe a little bit more descriptive of the vehicle, but they didn't and they didn't find the truck. Police decided to interview teachers at the school and it was during these interviews that they discovered something very shocking. Six weeks before Alexis disappeared in the middle of April, the school began receiving letters from a parent warning them that a man was attempting to kidnap a little boy that went to that school while he was there. This made the teachers freak out. They didn't know what was gonna happen, so they decided to call 911. And the cops began patrolling the school for about a week and looked out for any suspicious activity. But they never saw anybody and no boy was kidnapped. They were able to avert that specific crisis. Towards the end of April, about a week or so later, one of the teachers that police interviewed revealed that she saw Alexis speaking to an unidentified woman behind her school. Now, when you go to a school, especially if it's a little bit smaller, teachers can usually recognize parents and they can tell when there's a parent there that they don't recognize. And the teacher did not recognize this woman at all, especially somebody being related to Alexis. Now, this teacher never intervened in their conversation, but she did end up going to her boss and expressing her concerns, who told her to talk to Ayana, Alexis's mother. And once Ayana found out that Alexis was speaking to this strange woman, she decided to sit Alexis down that night and spoke to her about stranger danger and how you can't just be talking to everybody. You have to be careful if you don't know them or I don't know them, don't speak to them. And Alexis seemed like she understood the lesson and got it. But just two days later, this same teacher saw Alexis speaking to the same strange woman behind the school again. And once again, the teacher didn't intervene. She just went to her boss again and then went to Ayana and let her know. And Ayana was just so confused. She was like, why is Alexis talking to this strange woman after I told her not to? You know, Alexis was a very smart girl and she knew to be safe. So Ayana was very puzzled as to why she was speaking to this specific woman. Now, the fact that this happened just days before Alexis went missing and this woman was not supposedly seen speaking to any other children, makes it seem like somebody was plotting on taking Alexis, trying to coax her in and gain her trust to take advantage of her. And maybe this woman could have been the person driving the red truck. But for whatever reason, police did not ask this teacher for a sketch, description, what she looked like, nothing. They didn't release a sketch of this woman of what she could have potentially looked like or whether or not she could have been the driver of this truck. They just took the account and continued moving on. By August of 2002, Alexis had been missing for three months. Police were still no closer to finding out what happened to her, but they ended up receiving information that an anonymous tip came in to a local news station saying that the body of a young girl was thrown into the Milwaukee River. So police decided to go out and investigate this claim, but they didn't find anything. They also decided to see if any local sex offenders had been released around the time that Alexis went missing. But again, they didn't find anything significant. So they're back to square one. Alexis's case did not get a whole lot of media coverage outside of the local news. And a lot of this had to do with the fact that just a month after Alexis went missing, so did Elizabeth Smart. And we all know who Elizabeth Smart is. She went missing in Salt Lake City, Utah. And she was taken by some very radical religious people before being returned home nine months later. And as we all know, Elizabeth Smart's case got a lot of media attention, which really helped keep eyes on her case and ended up getting her brought 
home because somebody recognized her. Unfortunately, Alexis did not get this same media coverage. So there weren't as many eyes on her case nationally, which could have helped find her sooner. It's kind of sad that media coverage is really what gets people found, but unfortunately that's the case. I always thought that was the case now more recently, but I think it's just gotten worse because Alexis went missing back in 2002. So clearly this has always been the case. By spring of 2003, Alexis had been missing for a year and there were still no answers as to what happened to her. And I could not imagine going to sleep every night not knowing where my seven-year-old child was or whether or not they were even alive. How do you move forward in your life? I feel like I would always be stuck in that place of the last time I saw them because you just think about all the possibilities of where they could be, what could have happened to them. I can't imagine dealing with that uncertainty. I couldn't imagine dealing with that uncertainty for one night, let alone a year. Police decided to interview Ayana and Laurent, as well as give them both polygraph tests to figure out if they had anything to do with Alexis's disappearance. Police decided to not question Kenya, Alexis's biological father, because he was in jail at the time she disappeared. Now, neither of them were told of the results of their polygraph test because police didn't want their knowledge of their results to interfere with the investigation. So the results were kept inside the department until one day the police just decided to leak the results to the local news. And Laurent and Ayana had to find out about their polygraph results on the news. Now, Ayana, she found out that she passed, but Laurent actually failed, which made him look pretty suspicious in the eyes of the public. Now this doesn't necessarily mean he's guilty, but it definitely looks a little bit off. But the fact that he had to find out on the news that he failed his polygraph test is wild. You could have given them a call. Laurent denied having any involvement in Alexis's disappearance. He said that he dropped her off at school that morning, turned around and walked away. And that was the last time he saw her. He claimed that he had no idea where she was and had nothing to do with it. The public also found out that police had a bit of a past with Laurent, specifically because he had a criminal history that dated all the way back to a specific day, October 28th, 1994, a year before Alexis was born and long before Laurent had ever even met her mother. According to public record, Laurent was involved in a pretty large bank robbery and he was serving as the getaway driver for his accomplice, a man named Booker Ship. Now while Booker Ship was inside robbing the bank, Laurent was sitting outside being the getaway driver. But while Booker was still inside, police had responded to a silent alarm that was triggered in the bank. And by the time Booker got out there, police were already there. So he decides to run. But while he's running and police are chasing after him, he ends up turning around and shooting and killing an officer, Ronald Hedbany. And not long after, Laurent met him somewhere, picked him up in his car and drove him away. And they were able to evade the police for months, but eventually Booker was caught because he robbed another bank. Laurent was also brought in for questioning because he was found to be Booker's accomplice in the first robbery. They agreed that they would give Laurent immunity if he testified against Booker and he agreed. So he was able to avoid jail time and just continue on living life out of jail. Now, even though Laurent worked with police in order to get Booker put behind bars, they're not gonna forget the fact that Laurent served as his accomplice and his getaway driver, especially when it comes to killing 
one of their own. And because of this animosity that they had towards Laron for the fact that one of their own was killed, they were definitely doing their best to make him look really bad in the eyes of the public. And they were pushing him to be a main suspect in Alexis's disappearance because he failed his polygraph test. Now, as far as Ayana's polygraph test, as I said, she passed. But for whatever reason, police were still casting doubt on her results. They said, yes, she passed, but we can't confirm or deny the accuracy, things like that. It was like they were trying to cast doubt on her too. And people believed that she was just collateral damage in their quest to avenge the death of one of their own by making them both look very guilty. About two years later in 2005, Ayana decided to divorce Laurent, claiming that he had been abusive towards her for years and would oftentimes threaten her. She just got sick of it. After they divorced, Laurent began a pretty lengthy criminal record and he was in and out of jail for years. It's just sad because they do have another child who's kind of caught in the middle of all of this and she just doesn't deserve any of this. As years passed, police decided to turn their attention to Alexis's biological father to determine if he could have been involved. Now, earlier I said he was in jail at the time of Alexis's disappearance, but for whatever reason, police could not confirm what day he got out. Now, he was in jail literally the week Alexis disappeared, but they couldn't determine if he got out on May 1st of 2002 or May 6th of 2002. And this is very important information because Alexis disappeared on May 3rd, which is right in between those two dates. So if he got out on May 1st, that could make him a potential suspect. But if he got out on May 6th, there was no way because he was in jail. But eventually police were able to confirm that he ended up getting out on May 6th, meaning that he could not have been the person who took Alexis because she went missing three days before he even got out of jail. Police did look into his criminal record as well, and they found that he'd been charged with three counts of child felony abuse and one count of child neglect for abusing his eight month old baby, which I don't know how the hell you do some shit like that. Really? An eight month old can't even walk, can't even talk, can't even do anything. I don't know if Kenya ended up serving time for this, but he should have. But this was all alleged according to the courts and all that, I have to say that so that way I don't get in trouble, but this was all alleged. And they wondered, well, if you could abuse an eight month old child, could you have abused Alexis in the short time that you were in her life? They tried to put a link there to him and Alexis's disappearance, but there just wasn't one and eventually he was cleared of any involvement. Some people even believe that Alexis has been found alive. Even her mother, Ayana, thinks so. In the summer of 2016, a reporter came to Ayana's door with a picture of a woman named Lisa, who looked very similar to the age progression photo of what Alexis would look like at that time. Lisa lived in Bryan, Ohio, and it was very possible that she could have been living under a new identity and not even known that she was actually Alexis Patterson. Her ex-husband, Josh, started to dig into this a little bit first her and he found a lot of inconsistencies in Lisa's birth story as far as where she came from, who her parents were, where she was born. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to him. And Lisa said that she didn't have any memories of her life before the age of 10. And remember, Alexis went missing when she was seven. Now, although her and Josh weren't together anymore and they were involved in a custody battle, he still decided to bring his findings to her and say, you know, this could possibly be you. And as Lisa started to look through his findings and some of the information, she realized that it could possibly be her. So she decided to get a copy of her birth certificate from where she was told she was born, Central America. And she did end up getting a copy, but for whatever reason, people couldn't confirm whether or not her birth certificate was even real. There were also a lot of similarities between Lisa and Alexis that just cannot be explained. They had a birthmark in the same exact spot. They both had a bump on their pinky finger. They both had moles under their left eye and a scar under their right eye. 
And Ayana just knew that Lisa was Alexis. Now Lisa did end up handing over a DNA sample, but unfortunately it wasn't a match. But Ayana said she didn't believe the results. She felt like they may have been tampered with. So she asked the Milwaukee Police Department to perform a more official DNA testing without so much interference. So that way the DNA could be more accurate. But they said they would only do this if Ayana agreed to take another polygraph test, which makes no sense. What's the correlation? Especially when she already passed the first one. And they also said, we'll do another DNA test if you tell us what really happened the morning Alexis went missing. So they were suggesting that Ayana knew more than she was letting on and could have possibly been involved in Alexis's disappearance. She was completely offended, couldn't believe that they would hold this over her head for years. Remember, it's been like 15 years since she took that polygraph test and passed, yet they're still holding it over her head. They still wouldn't confirm or deny her results. And Ayana said the only way she would take another polygraph test would be if they confirmed her results that she passed, as well as officially release them to her. But they said no. So Ayana decided to go to the FBI and they said the same thing. So it was like, Everybody just wanted Ayana to look guilty. They didn't want to help her out. And a lot of people feel like this had a lot to do with the fact that they were still trying to get back at her for even being married to Laron because he was involved in the death of one of their own. So Ayana gave up on trying to get this DNA test done, but she still believes in her heart of hearts that Lisa is in fact Alexis, living under a different name and a different identity, and she never even knew. At the end of the day, a mother knows her child no matter how much time passes and they have so many similarities. Ayana said, she's like, I wouldn't be saying this just to say it. I really do think this is Alexis and I really hope she is. Laron Borges unfortunately passed away in 2021 of a substance overdose and he maintained his innocence all the way up until the day he died that he had nothing to do with Alexis's disappearance and that the police were trying to make him look guilty in order to get revenge on the fact that he was involved in the death of a fellow cop. Police have come forward and said that they could have handled the polygraph incident a little bit differently, but it's too little too late. The way they handled it really had an effect on the investigation and made them focus on Ayana and Laurent so much that they potentially missed out on other suspects. What about the woman that Alexis was seen speaking to behind the school in the days leading up to her disappearance? I mean, those were the best leads they had and they did not follow them. And to this day, we have no idea who that woman was. All police had to do was get a sketch of the woman from the teacher who saw her. And then they could have tried to match this person to somebody who possibly owned a red truck, but they didn't do any of that. It's been over 20 years since Alexis disappeared and police are still no closer to finding out what happened to her. Alexis was a beautiful and bright young girl with an amazing smile. And it's sad that at seven years old, she was ripped away from everything she ever knew because of someone else's selfish actions. And because of the police being hung up on personal stuff, they didn't prioritize finding her. And it's sad that she missed out on so many good years with her family and her friends. I hope that Alexis really is Lisa and I hope that she is still out there alive and living a really good life. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon.